0: Welcome to Design Thinking Games, a gaming and user experience podcast. Card-carrying UXers Tim Broadwater and Michael Schofield examine the player experience of board games, pen and paper role-playing games, live-action games, and video games. Play through the backlog on your podcatcher of choice and on the web at designthinkinggames.com.
1: very soon it is going to be independence day july 4th yeah um uh, 2022
2: uh, yeah what a you know what a what a year to celebrate eh? um, <laughs> but, um but yeah like uh, you know there's there's something fun about kind of like the there's some whatever there's something fun about it the fireworks the bravado is fun the mythology around it is fun um and i don't know i think it just sort of happened that oh no july 4th happens to be one of our release days we saw that it was coming up and um you and i started throwing you know throwing shit around and stumbled on what i think is like a really uh common explorable trope in storytelling in general but especially video games um So, you know, we, we, we started this chat going like, hoorah. Um, But there's. (laughs) (laughs) Hoorah. But part of the fun of that, you know, uh, is, 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 I guess, you know, to the, to your point, you know, this is a very, this is a narrative that is like this kind of like machismo or whatever is a narrative that.
1: Specifically, July 4th, you know, in the States is Independence Day, the movie Independence Day, which came after, you know, the holiday. And it commemorates, what? you know, the Declaration of Independence. Um, it, it has a lot of historical context to it, but it's kind of become the celebration um, of victory, right? Yeah, yeah. Not just honoring and celebrating heroes, but the victory of heroes. Um, and so... We've started talking about, you know, people love victory and people love heroes. And and so I think that's where we started kind of talking about, oh, wow, like there's something here that this kind of hero kind of trope or the hero or the underdog and and what they have to face and then this is not just in films and books but it's in games and that's what you know we're kind of wanting to focus on
2: yeah i mean like as we're want to do we just kind of started to deconstruct some of our you know favorite americana and you know we kind of identified like a pattern that um we see throughout games Across all genres, you know, namely that you know, there's this sort of like recipe for this um, specific kind of heroism, where you know the the world is on the brink of destruction. <laughs> of course, like like as as any good uh, uh, as any good uh, uh, American youth. Um, When i think of independence day i do think of that time when aliens attacked and um you know like sometimes the world is literally on the brink of the destruction but it's you know it's it's just this notion that like everything is on the line um and you know there's a a a ragtag chosen few who will make the difference um there's, you know, it's it's kind of like resting this idea of freedom from some sort of oppressive force or circumstance, like world-ending, um, whatever. But you know, you 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 create this kind of like trope that really is what it is, and you can you can name any kind of um, media out there, from you know, fiction novels to video games to movies, where um, where there's sort of an unambiguous choice, like the heroes aren't always great, but you know, you always side with the heroes because they have to save the world. The alternative is no world. And, and once we kind of like identified that trope, it became pretty fun to, you know, cherry pick all, like all of our favorite games that fit well in there. And we ended up with a Mm -hmm. hell of a list that, um, yeah, it's always
1: too big for one episode. You know, it's, there's a lot here. And so we were looking at it from exactly what you said, which is, what is this recipe? Like you said, everything's on the line, the world is on the brink of destruction. And like, there is a chosen one or a chosen few who can get the job done um, and save the world, save mankind, save existence, save sentient life, whatever, right? Um, And it's always that the stakes are at the highest. Freedom, you know, genocide, uh, uh, extinction of life as we know it—like whatever you know, whatever metaphor or trope you want to, you know, kind of tie to it. And so we kind of looking at it from how does it work really well in games? Like, why do people like um, Laura Croft, or why do people like Cloud from Final Fantasy, or why do people like Link from Legend of Zelda, right? Or uh uh Man, even or um and so we started looking at you know for this to really work in games or not really work because it does work um but what the player experiences from the game side um and i guess we're really focusing on this episode more so on video games not really tabletop games or um other games but um, but from the video game perspective, um, you know, this is, I feel like on the part of the player, you know, you've put sunken tons of hours and effort into like, you know, kind of, uh, grinding for this epic struggle, like, and you've been attached to the story, which kind of pulls you in. Right. Um, and you, there's, a a right cause or a a moral cause that's kind of attached to it. And then with all that story and the, the everything being on the line and at stake and you or the player or players you control when you beat the game, it just is this really phenomenal experience. I'm like an endorphin dump kind of like, Oh my God, I did yeah. it. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of a player experience I think people have with this kind of hero, Underdog kind of game, right?
2: we are super privileged to be brought to you by dice tower theater because our show is designed to tease apart mechanics and other aspects of game design so we can better understand why they impact us but this wonkery didn't start because we were born middle-aged it began with fandom and escapism when we're throwing dice at the table we're not hyper focused on reasons why
0: someone gets advantage we are the blue
2: flame has the great risk correct
0: are you sure sophie I foresee a path you can understand, let alone tread, but you will have to walk yourself. As they venture into their
2: fourth season, over 12 hours of story, Dice Tower Theater rekindles that original feeling we get.
0: Are your minds made up too? Then step into the room behind me, adventurous. I wish you find what you seek and can heal your world. Grace Tower Theatre, wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
2: This sort of like trope could be applied in a really cheesy way. Um, But of course, like, you know, like our our, the super list that we started generating are just full of examples of where it worked really well. You know, the first kind of like component is just, you know, for, for, for like whatever, like at whatever scale, there is a, um, like the game begins or the story begins, um, in the, uh, the shadow of certain death, or there's, a, there's a kind of impending doom that can be avoided, but that is always present, right? It's always on the horizon, it's always, um, it's always there. Last uh, last season, you know, you played through Mass Effect. You know, the game begins like within the first, um, like after the first mission, where you can see, uh, oops, the entire galaxy is at stake, right? Or you know, we were talking about, um, uh, like different examples here. Th- that whole idea of the threat, you know, and you know that threat is, you know, in kind of like a, the the Fourth of July American lore is, of course, you know, um the british oppression uh and the the danger for the um the revolutionaries in you know declaring their um independence that begins a ticking clock right you know this could have gone um this could have ended at the end of a noose for you know washington and stuff like that but but under the under the guise, or the, uh, yeah, under the kind of like the this kind of like looming threat, all the other interactions in the game feel a lot like sweeter. There's kind of like this funny like a uh, fantasy like RPG trope where like oh no, the world is literally going to end, but first you need to help make all these like deliveries, <laughs> like, a, um, like a like like across uh, across the land. But there's something like really nice there. I think about like uh, like all of the interactions that feel sweeter because um they're time limited or they're literally like gate kept but it's the notion that like everything that's happening here is under threat and so it makes even these kind of like little potentially it could make these little quests feel better it makes uh it makes the relationships you form along the way um sweeter
1: there is like this humanizing piece that you're talking about to where whatever the looming threat is the evil presence is going to taint the land, Ganon from Legend of Zelda. Yeah, or, you yeah. know. Um, but it is the human or humans, um, or if it's an animal or if it's an alien species or whatever, but the humanizing effect of like working together, collaboration, like helping someone so they will help you, building alliances, you know, like uh, that's the kind of building allies and building strengths and tools to everyone has to pull together right to kind of fight um this oppression and sometimes the hero or the group of heroes is facilitating that with small quests as you call it
2: right maybe that's the unlikely cadre um you alluded to before where like you know a an important component of this existential threat is that it's big enough to force unlikely alliances right um, uh, and mm-hmm. so you know the <laughs> like uh, for the first time the the hobbits and dwarves and elves find themselves like on the same side or or, or something like that um, or you know the, the states band together or you know the societies come together uh, the species come together but, but you're right there is this, this coming together this unifying aspect of um of maintaining or you know surviving mm-hmm. a way of life or a way of being that is really you know it's kind of like the embryo in which all this story happens. Everyone's coming together because oh no, this thing on the horizon is is really that bad.
1: Yeah. In Zelda, it's literally the humans in Zelda or the are Hylians, right? And they yeah. combine and they work across the aisle, you know, or collaboratively with the Zora, the water merc folk people, but also the Gorons, the mountain people and the Deku who are the the plant or elf people. Right. And so it takes them not only working together, but helping mm-hmm. each other or even assisting Link with like, this item will help you on your quest, because we also know that Ganon is this evil force that will eventually destroy the forests and the mountains yeah. and the seas. And so um, we we will help you we will ally with you and we will back you because the risk is that great right yeah um total annihilation or total destruction of the world one of the things we were talking about when we first you know kind of we're talking about actually the hero and you know fourth of july freedom rebellion this is this cool you know kind of uh you know, this cool kind of construct, but it exists in every genre. Like yeah. it can extend to sci-fi. It can not just be in fantasy or, you know, warfare or action adventure, you know. And so I think it doesn't really matter the genre. I think the narrative construct or whatever this trope is, you know, kind of extends beyond that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, because you know, there's there's some aspect of like existential threat. So there's we 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 acknowledge an existential threat that unifies forces. This is true in um in in a zombie flick, or however, I think there has to be, however remote, an element of hope that the the existential threat can be overcome.
1: Exactly, and that is completely abandoned in zombie films. Like, when you're watching Walking Dead or zombie films, it's survival, it's not hope. It's like, let's just try to survive as long as possible. Exactly. That's always kind of the construct of, like, zombie films or just, like, this automated horror or, like, this virus. It's just like, you're just trying to... We're not banding together to save mankind. It's like, we're just trying to survive as long as possible. And to me, that is not a hero...
2: Guys, playtesting is hard. If you've ever done that, you know how much of a struggle it can be. And if you haven't, you need to. It's part of good game design. That's why I'm super happy that this season of Design Thinking Games is brought to you by PlaytestKit, literally playtestkit.com, which is designed by Steve Bromley to help us draw reliable, evidence-based conclusions that inform our design decisions. It gives us all the templates and guidance that we need to test prototypes types, recruit, pick the right method, interview people, write surveys, and most importantly, configure and analyze the data so that we can do something useful with it. So whether you've never run a playtest before or you're a pro, this kit is going to save you time and help you get more value from each test you run. So sign up for free resources or go to get the full kit at playtestkit.com. And for the rest of the season, this season only of Design Thinking Games, use the code DESIGN thinking to get 10% off and let Steve know who sent you.
1: Sauron from Lord of the Rings for your fantasy reference. You know, um, power, control, subjugation, slavery, like all of these. It's just like core evil. I think of like Dracula and like Castlevania, right? To where it's like, he is spreading evil across the land. He will turn everyone into his vampiric minions or their food. I mean, that is it. Um, and only the Belmonts, like the the famous vampire hunting family can
2: can end him. I think you raise a great point in that like – so it's not only that the the existential threat has to be winnable. Like you have to be able to overcome it even if it's remote. It's that the existential threat is also deliberate. There's nothing deliberate about the zombie horde. It's a virus that spreads and you're screwed, right? Um, but, the, but Dracula is a deliberate evil what i like about what you said about like the belmonts though is that well something that i think works in interestingly like a way that this uh kind of trope can be made a little bit unique is that it can it's not really like time limited so so something like the belmonts you know you can you can resist the vampiric evil over generations but i think it's resisting an existential a deliberate intelligent existential threat that is a key component. If it's not intelligent um, or if it's not deliberate, if for whatever reason you're fighting like capitalism, it's not the same thing, right? It's It's an existential threat, but there's no like kind of like deliberate subjugation there.
1: Yeah. So I think there's definitely a part of defining like what the evil is, right? Um, But then also from the hero side, I think there's always just this underdog aspect, right? Mm -hmm. You're just one elfin boy, or you're just one little (laughs) hobbit, you know, or you're just, um, in the case of, you know, Metroid, to take this genre and apply it to sci-fi, Samus Aran, you're just one female bounty hunter. yeah. You know, how are you gonna save the galaxy from this alien race like Sagorni Weaver style by killing the metroids which literally um thrive their existence is sustained by draining the life force out of every sentient living mm-hmm. being you know so that cannot be allowed to to stand but how can one one person do it and there's always seems to be like how does the master chief get empowered how does mega man get empowered how does samus or um, Link or Laura Croft. I know we even talked about like, even from a warfare construct, yeah. how does Solid Snake and Metal Gear get empowered to be able to, to save the world from nuclear threat, right? And you have to not only have like this crazy, like backstory and be an underdog, but then you have to along the way, work with people, get items, like level up and become like become the savior that, sentient life or humanity or the galaxy needs right
2: the underdog role is is spot on because like how do the how do the colonials overcome the british empire to that end you you threw out master chief and i i often think of like samus and and master chief doom guy kind of like all in the same thing because they are effectively like faceless heroes right master Mm -hmm. chief one is interesting though because somehow so i'm trying to define this but to me like there's something about the halo franchise that while epic i really enjoy it i you know um i i don't know much to be honest about master chief
1: my understanding is that They've kind of used some alien tech, but he's genetically engineered or he's like a super soldier like Captain America, right? He's a
2: super soldier. There's something about Master Chief that is not the underdog. Like Master Chief is the best of everything, right? And so there's something there missing. specialist. Like Solid
1: Snake is that from Metal Gear. He is literally the best
2: I guess that's true, right? So you know, maybe maybe it's the idea of like overwhelming force, overwhelming odds. One of the big um, narrative elements of Master Chief that I always really liked is that the uh, 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 a brief tangent on Spartans and then the Halo franchise, but like you know, they are um, engineer. They're they're basically stolen as children, um, genetically engineered, rigorously trained. Fatally, you know, only a certain percentage even survived the training. Da 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 da. Um, augmented with um, extremely expensive top of the line armor, you know, um, and and then uh, oftentimes, you know, given like uh, accompanied by an artificial intelligence, um, and.
1: Wonder if that's like the sci-fi swerve because what you just described, Samus Aran is like the best bounty hunter in the universe, yeah, right? Yeah, and then like um, for Mass Effect, the Shepherd, like he oh, is no in that, um, he's on a special track to become a secret agent of the galaxy mm-hmm. or whatever. I can't remember Spectre. the name of. Yeah. Yeah, Mega Man. Also from the sci-fi Maybe. perspective, like the world is being taken over by giant evil robots from this evil person. And so we're making a robot savior who when he destroys robots, he can absorb their power and use it for himself.
2: Maybe that's what it is. It's that the hero, like the threat scales with the hero, right? So even even if you have like a master chief who um, survives many an encounter that you probably shouldn't have, um, it's still against the overwhelming threat to the entire civilized galaxy Um, and it's still – by virtue it's still – you know, it's still an underdog story.
1: Design Thinking Games is a proud affiliate of Hunt a Killer. Enter the world of Hunt a Killer in their newest murder mystery season, Mallory Rock. This realistic murder mystery game delivers high quality, handcrafted evidence that brings a fictional case to life. Can you solve a mystery with Hunt a Killer? Go to designthinkinggames.com slash Hunt a Killer or click on the banner at the bottom of our website.
2: something that's like more underdog about Shepard than like master chief or even more more underdog Mm -hmm. about mega man than (laughs) right you know like um you know like you know that i think i think if we were to like model model the impact there's probably something in that formula about distance like like power gulf between the threat and the hero you know the further they are apart um the more unlikely the win the the uh, obviously the greater the odds and then you know so, something like that um
1: yeah i think there's definitely like an underdog there's definitely like the unlikely hero but the person who is also so skilled at what they do they're the only person who can pull it off right mm. um and then i definitely think there's also this um captain planet or yeah. avatar the airbender like you know we have to change people's minds and hearts we have to like yeah. convince different tribes to work together to understand that this is we have to fight together to against this kind of epic evil all of them are heroes all different flavors and genres maybe and different um Uh, backstories or specialities or underdogs, or maybe they're empowered because you, only the chosen one can pull the master sword, right? Mm -hmm. From, and that is the one that Hyrule, the goddess of Hyrule thinks will save us all and defeat Ganon. And only Link can do that. And so, I think one of the other things we started talking about were like different types of heroes, right? Which was like the unsung hero versus the chosen one yeah. um, versus a bland, a, a band of like plucky adventurers thrown together to try to pull it off.
2: Or a band of inglorious bastards, right? Who aren't plucky at all, right? So,
1: yeah. Or the failed hero or the anti hero, uh, you know? Like Batman. Like, dude, Batman is like dark af right (laughs) and he is like spawn or like the punisher and sometimes the only way you can get the job done is just to be as brutal as you know just as the evil force now those are not world like changing kind of things but but there's definitely something to be
2: said about an anti-hero or how how important is it in this um kind of trope that you are able to identify with the hero because there are, there are spectrums of ability to identify with, oh, maybe it's easier to identify like, let's take a Batman because he has no powers versus identify with a spawn, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Someone who
1: is kind of would be branded as being evil mm-hmm. or a vigilante or someone that is unsafe, like a vampire or a werewolf, but or something like, but or a demon or uh, but does good with their power. So I uh, I think people just the thing that like we kind of landed upon and the reason why we wanted to talk about this episode really was like people love heroes and I don't care what type of gamer you, you are, what type of fandom you support. Like the hero is something that any kind of player can get behind. Right. Yeah. In no matter what form, maybe it's a brutal anti-hero or maybe it's the, the fantasy elf who's the chosen one or maybe it's the sci-fi space hunter. But it's like people w- love a hero. People love to love a hero. and And also from the player experience side, when you're playing the hero, when you're playing like... A cloud from like Final Fantasy or you're playing like even a comedy swerve, which would be kind of like a Super Mario Brothers or a Sonic or, you know, something or Ratchet and Clank, something that's just ridiculous. Um, People love like overcoming that kind of evil force or brink of destruction where everything is on the line. And they love that reward, I think, from like when they succeed. Yes, they do.
2: If you want to be a hero in someone's life, uh, consider um, <laughs> subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com/slash, Design Thinking Games, where you can help two needy, card-carrying UXers continue to produce this show. Every day, a card-carrying UXer goes hungry. <laughs> Only you. Um, <laughs> We are. Um, perhaps you also heard like an excellent advertisement um, um, at the beginning, mid, or or maybe after this, uh, at the end of uh, the episode. Um, you should consider if you have something to um, uh, promote to a like-minded audience. Consider uh, advertising with us. We produce everything ourselves; are all host read. None of them are. Crappy, we do a lot of work to make sure that you sound great and we're super affordable. So you can check that out at designthinkinggames.com slash advertise. Um, and uh, lastly, if you have no uh, bones to throw and um, you can still star heart and favorite this episode on your catcher of choice. Um, everything you do to help boost the algorithm brings Design Thinking Games in front of more people. And if you're listening to this and the day it releases, it's July 4th and you are a United States citizen, uh, try and enjoy it with uh, friends and family.
1: Have a happy and safe July 4th Independence Day
0: thank you for listening to the design thinking games podcast you only have so much time and it means a lot you shared it with us to connect with your hosts michael or tim visit design thinking games on tiktok twitch and twitter dms are open you can also check out designthinkinggames.com where you can request topics ask questions or see what else is going on until next time game on